Podcast. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. And this is Rich. Hi, welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast, where you have to face the problem of, okay, we chased the ghost over the border, why is that Mountie pointing a gun at me? Tonight we will be dealing with Bureau 13, something we haven't touched on in a while, and tracking and apprehending criminals who have gone over international borders, either north or south of the border, or you're hopping an ocean in order to go after the criminal. We will be reviewing how agents would go about that, their powers, their rights, um, their ability to interact with not only other nations' governments, but other nations' agencies designed to parallel what Bureau 13 does. Some we have good relations with, some not so much. And sometimes you're not going over there just to apprehend some uh, a, cr a critter or, or thing. Sometimes they're asking you to come over there. You're being asked to come over because you happen to be an expert in, say, dealing with sea monsters for some reason or dealing with, you know, werewolves, you know, because you are one. I hear Sigmund is over the border. We must get him. <laughs> well, not, like I say, not necessarily you're always going over the border. And sometimes you're over the border because you were taken there. Do you want to just go down the list that you generated? I think it's a pretty good... Oh, no, no. You did a very good outline, John. I'm quite impressed. Yeah. Yeah. So this, so we'll just hit the, hot, the, the, the high points and then we'll break it down over everything else that you need to go over. So, you know, if one, you know we're going to talk about why are you in that other country. You know, what are the reasons to go there? I mean, uh, then we're next we're going to talk about what to expect from the host government. You know, are they going to arrest you because you ran across the border, you know, with your standard bureau weapon list? Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and also, how much authority will you have as an agent in another country? You know, are, we, are you going to be a full-fledged, you know, bureau agent or are you just going to be told stand there and don't do anything? But also, you're going to be dealing with other international, with other countries' supernatural agencies. How do they operate? Are they a bit more lenient? Are they, you know, are they a bit more strict, or are they more or less, you know, genocidal? And can you bribe them? Yeah, yeah, that's another one too. Yeah, yeah. And also, how do you get there? Planes, trains, automobiles, or a trip through Bangor, Maine? We'll be talking. We'll be talking about all that. Let's get the the, the, mo the most important thing. Why why are you in a foreign country? As, as we as we hinted, you know, you're there because you're on a hot pursuit. You're chasing after that Luc Garou as he heads into Quebec. You know, after cro of course crossing over the Saint Lawrence Seaway, and you're trying to capture him. Well, yeah, he's in Quebec, and now uh, you got to deal with the R RMCP and other things over there, including probably friends. 
And remember that the paranormal does not respect borders. No, 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 they don't. Yes, that's true. Or you, or you, be, you could be getting a request from, um, was it Division? Uh, what is her name? Di- uh, Division Five Thirteen, the Canadian RMCP's uh, supernatural division, because they need your help. You know, it's a cross-border problem. You got werewolves crossing the border back and forth, and they need to help. Need your help on your side of the border to stop them from doing so. There's uh, research. You're going over there to get information. You've um, maybe, maybe, perhaps uh, you're you're investigating. Uh, you know, a, a supernatural entity here, but you know that there's been a lot of reports coming out of uh, just over the border. Or it's historical research. Like if you've re- if you read some of the uh, fiction that's in the back of the Bureau 13 D20 book, you know that Seattle has a problem with European uh, pixies uh, moving in and becoming an invasive species. And yeah, you need to go back to the old country to find out how to deal with pixies. <sighs> you know, and of course, sometimes, like I said, you're asked you're you're asked to come over there. Right. You're contracted. Yeah. Yeah. We need your help. We need uh. uh what is the uh, subject matter experts? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and of course, last but not least, and there's probably other reasons too, but last, last, last but not least, you were kidnapped. Yeah. Big old whoops. Yeah. Kidnapped or teleported. You know, you're fighting against some creature that has ability to teleport, and now you're in the middle of London, England. Right. Right. All right. So let's let's go over these one by one. Then, so we got hot pursuit. Let's say you're you're in uh you're downtown beautiful Detroit, and and what's the river you'd have to cross to get into Canada? That would be the Detroit River, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> that one, right, because it's right next to De- man. They are some creative people. All right, so <laughs> so you're in Detroit, and um you're chasing this 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 werewolf through the you know through downtown. Don't ask me why he's in the city, but he is, and uh, he jumps on a ferry. And um, you know, you no got, fairies. No fairies. There's no ambassador bridge or the or the tunnel. Really, they have no fairies that go across. No, it's not. Uh, technically, the Detroit River. It's not all that wide, and technically, geographically, it would be considered a strait because a river has to be 99 miles in length to be considered a river. But we call it the Detroit River. Damn, you learn something new every day. All right, so he's. He's hauling butt across the bridge, <laughs> or he's jumped into the back of a pickup truck, and he's riding along. The guy doesn't know. All right, so then you get in your car, and you take off, and you're chasing him. Yeah, um, well, you get stopped at the border, right? You know, right, maybe. but he goes through the border. He just blows through it in, in the way that werewolves do. Yeah, it's nighttime, so you don't see him leap off the top of the of the customs building into the back big rig with, with its load of, um, I don't know what. Cars or something, I don't know. All right, so so let's so let's say you are the uh, Will Smith of the Men in Black, and you decide that oh heck no, you ain't getting away from me, and uh and and I don't know what do you do? Do you blow through the border? Do you flash your badge? Do you <laughs> blow? Through. I don't know. What do you, what do you what do you do? Well, I have from my experience with customs, they all are very serious people, and they have no humor whatsoever. Oh no, they don't. Not not these days. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. So maybe you run up and hit him with the flashy thing. Pop pop. We don't have flashy things in Bureau. I know. Well, the Bureau's version of Does the Bureau have anything like that? Psychic paper or something? Nope. Nope. Okay. All right. So you're the psionic on the team. You brainwashed the guy into letting you go through. And his and his partners and the other guys. No, no. He clears you. Now you go up to him. Yeah, he's fine. Oh, that's true. You know, you just got 
crossing the border to Canada still requires a, a you know you know a passport these days. So theoretically, if you if you if you're not if you're not being anxious and you're being really cool about it, and you show them your passport, they look at, they stamp it, they give it back to you. You know, you go on if you don't mind. If you don't mind the werewolf getting a half hour half hour head start on you at that point, yes. Yeah, see, that, that's the thing. Um, passport, well, unless you're well, Team Candlestick, the official Michigan team. Michigan also has an enhanced driver's license called a Nexus card. So you can have that, and that will work too. See, it, it's good. I had, I had a girlfriend. So explain how, how does that work? It's it's just a, a. I think they add to the magnetic strip on the back of your driver's license. Okay, so you could just you could just drive through. And it just it it, it doubles the passport. Yeah, I think all all the border states, at least along the Canadian border states, have a, have enhanced licenses. I can get one here in in Washington State as well. So you can just drive through like an easy pass. Yeah, and they kind of swipe and they check and say, okay, you're an official U.S. citizen. Go through. Okay, so so you do have to stop. It takes a minute or two, and then you're through. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's sort of like my military ID when I go on base. That could work too. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's an easy one. I mean, because now you're in Canada. Boom. Let's have a fun one. You're in the Florida Keys, and this uh, and this pod of mermen are you know who, which which attacked uh, someplace in the Keys are now heading back in the ocean, heading for Cuba. Oh, <laughs> you let him go. No, I'm sorry. Um, uh, <laughs> Call Gitmo and have them go after him. Yeah, or excuse me, Gitmo is the marine terminology, Guantanamo Bay. I've known more than a few marines in my time, and their term for it is Gitmo. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, at work I have a Gitmo stick. Now, you're okay once – now, this actually gives you three, three – two problems. One – once they hit international waters, because there is actually international water between the United States and, and Cuba. I'm trying to remember the distance. I've heard anywhere from 3 to 5 to 12 miles is our international border. No, no. International is 7 miles. Okay. The U.S. enforces 12. Okay. So the U.S. is overstepping their bounds, but nobody, nobody contests it. Countries overstep their bounds by 200 miles. There you Cuba's go. Cuba's boundary should be in Miami somewhere. Yeah. So, so basically, you're, you know, when you, once you enter what is, you know, Cuban, Cuban territory, you know, in a boat, because you're obviously being in a boat, probably a bayliner, you know, or something fast, because these guys swim like, you know, like, you, uh, you know, yeah, you may get picked up by a Cuban patrol. I mean, you're going the wrong direction, but, you know, uh, yeah, they may want, they may try to board you, because for one, you know, American citizens can sort of go to Cuba. But it's really complicated, and it requires lots of paperwork, and usually going to Canada or Mexico before you then then go to Cuba. You really can't theoretically go to Cuba directly from the United States. All right. So, so Rich, do um do any of the the agency like home bases or anything? Do they do they make? Can you see them making provisions for this, like working out some kind of border crossing deal with some of these places? There may be things like that that might be surprising, but um, actually with the governments themselves, there is no acknowledgement. Okay. But American vessels always stray a lot into Cuban waters. Basically, they just turned around. Nobody wants to create an incident. Or they steal stuff out of your boat and say, that's fine. Oh, a finder's fee. Okay, yeah. And also, and we're not, not leaving it to just Cuba. There's also... Um, well, you get the British Virgin Islands. Uh, not Haiti. 
Dominican Republic. Yeah, the other half of Hispaniola. From Puerto Rico. Now, remember, Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, so theoretically, you, they could be a, a Puerto Rico bureau team operating out of there. Now they need to go to chase this voodoo, these voodoo priestess who went, went back to Haiti. Yeah, that's going to be a, a – again, there's a problem right there. One – you know, yes, they're U.S. citizens, but you know, you're going to Haiti or Dominican Republic. Actually, Dominican Republic would probably be harder because they're much better off than Haiti is. But still, you go, you know, that's another that's another place where you can cross over. And of course, there's always chasing the chupacabra back into Mexico. It may, it may be easy for him to get there, but it's going to be really hard for you to go across the Mexican border, except at at, at border crossings, unless you want to deal with with all the fences and crap like that along the border. And not get and not get shot by INS or by or, or by the federales on the other side. And the Mexican right, so that, army is very very tough. The chupacabra has no problem because he has his own ways of getting across. It's he, you're you're the ones going to have problems getting across. Yeah. Uh, so if if we're talking about hot pursuit and you're a team that lies on the border, it's probably going to behoove your party to have a magic-using character who can do something like uh, teleport or invisibility or something along those lines. Yeah. Or, or phasing so you can phase through things. Lots of cash. Or bring lots of cash, right. That's true. That's true. Cash, cash is always a nice equalizer. They say money, money talks and <clears throat> walks, yeah. Down there in Mexico, there would be the uh, the DFS. I'm not going to try to pronounce the name because I'll probably mispronounce it. But the the Mexican s supernatural organization, the, the uh, Dirección Federal de Securidad (DFS), you know, it wouldn't hurt probably to give them a, give them a holler. Yeah, and and reading the write up on them, they're basically at odds with the Bureau over jurisdiction. Uh, and they're also one of those groups that are very tough in dealing with the paranormal. Does that make sense? And also, they're based, they're, they're part of the Mexican army. Yeah, so we would probably have to really, and I hate using the stereotype because we try not to do that here. Again, have lots of cash. Well, that's not a stereotype, man. You can, everybody can be bribed, man. Come on. That, that's, that nobody in particular is, is in, you know, easier to bribe. Everyone likes money. Well, yeah, everybody has their price, but also there, you know, there's a stereotype going on that, you know, you bribe a Mexican officer and he'll just look the other way. I mean, I mean, heck, you see it in the A-team, the first 10 minutes of that movie. And just, I, I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, it's like with the, with, with the, the DFS, you're probably going to want to have the cash or just really good bluff roll. Now, I was I would imagine that uh, if it's just, just a chupacabra, you know, give him a call. Say you got a chupacabra across the border here. Look for him because it's not going to be worth my time. It's when you're chasing after somebody who might have information you really need. That's person I would think be more worth going across the border for than a like a chupacabra. Yeah, if it's if it's just something that you just, you know, shoot them and you're done. Well, I mean, see the bureau, do you really want does the bureau really want the blood of innocence on their hands? Because let's say they do that. Chupacabra goes over and and the bureau just says, let the let the the the, the DFS deal with it. That chupacabra kills innocence and the DFS finds out it came from America, they're going to come back, it's like, hey there, Gring hey there, Gringle, why didn't you deal with this? You know, keep your stuff within your own borders. You know, why is it tumbling into our backyard? That, that will not help relations any. I mean, that's why I would contact Yeah, 
you know, at least give them the dip, the, you know, and say, and we can assist if you need us to, because we're closer. And they may say no. Well, hold on. I think I think one of the things that's going to come up a lot tonight on, on all of these, uh, and I think it's something maybe we should just, just go ahead and throw it out there, is that uh, there's going to be times when you're in the heat of the moment and something is going down to where you don't have time to do these other options. You just don't. Like, for example, let's say it's some cultists, right? Let's say you're invest, you're in El Paso. And because I know El Paso straddles the the border there, Juarez is right on the other side. Okay, so all right, so let's say you're in El Paso and you break into this guy's house, you know, on a, on a, on a hunch that something's going on, and you find out that that he's running a cult, and the, they're they're turns out they're going to try and wake up Cthulhu tonight, right? Or some, no, I, no, make it make it more cultural. Wake up some old Aztec god. Okay, whatever. So, uh, but they're going to do it in they're going to do it in Juarez. And there's no, and it, literally you have an hour to get there. There's no time to call the, the, the federales and try to explain it to them and hook all, you know, there's just no time. You need to, you need to get there and get there immediately. And it also could be a hunch. Let's say you're not exactly sure that they're doing that and you don't want to call and, and create an incident and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's going to be these times where it's like, you're not going to have the time to do anything but just break the rules. And go for it. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission, yes. And now, now that's a border crossing that would be difficult to do except only by one way, by air. So, yeah, I mean, you'd have to literally either, you know, either have a bureau-issued helicopter or, well, you borrow one you know, and, fl- and fly over the border. Of course, you, you understand that helicopter is pretty much, uh, what's it, uh, oars de combat once you, once you land and leave it. To, to to whoever comes on and takes it at that point, but you know, eh. <laughs> you blow it in place. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's there's also, I mean, you know, there, there could be. Here, here's another one. I mean, did we is this covered under any of these? Uh, we're going to how to how to get across. No, I guess not. We didn't cover that. So yes, here we go getting across. Yeah. What if you're dealing with ghouls and their tunnels go over into Juarez? Hey, you got a tunnel. There you go. Well, you're, well, that's that's two things. You're chasing them, and cha- by chasing them, it's, it's the way to get across. But you know you're going to come up in Juarez, so you're going to be on the other well, side. you might not know, because it's right. going to make head off in one direction, turn again, turn again, turn again. By that time, True. you're completely screwed up, and then you pop out, and you realize, okay, this is not El Paso. Hey, that falls under your last category, accidentally getting there. Yes. Uh, now, of course, some borders are easy to get across. Uh, I remember listening to a story from Patrick Stewart. He was trying to go up to Vancouver, uh, BC to visit some uh, friends. He was turned away at the border because he didn't, because he basically is a British citizen and he, he didn't have a visa to visit. His visa wouldn't let him visit Canada. Uh, so him and his friend went driving and all of a sudden they found themselves on the other side of the border driving up to, up to, up to the, uh, the border crossing from the other side. Uh, there's places along the American Canadian border where you just, you know, hop on a logging road and you're in Canada. It's that easy. <laughs> you know, there's towns that are literally cut in half on the border between the U.S. and Canada, you know, all along the border, uh, you know, where one side is Canada, the other side is the United States. And they're trying to, and they're trying, they're still working out what to do with those towns because you really can't put a wall through the town. It's like, in fact, there's one place I remember is in like Vermont, I think, or somewhere up there where literally the library is half in Canada and half out. You go after a book, you can cross the border. But yeah, so north of the border is not a, it's not a bigger problem as south. But yeah, and of course other places you can just take a boat to. Like I said, Cuba, you can take a boat. In fact, you can take a boat to most of the most of the coastlines. 
you know, remember, you know, yes, you, if you pull up to a big city, they'll catch you. But if you can pull up to, say, um, pull up along the Baja, California, in a boat, and there won't be anyone there to greet you. You know, so getting, getting, of course, that takes time, though. So, yeah, the big question is, how long does it take you to get there? Uh, what's the fastest mean? Yeah, you're chasing after ghouls in their tunnels. Uh, you're, you found the cultists are going about the, you're going, going to an old, uh, sacrificial site south of Juarez to do their rituals to call forth the, uh, the great volcano god to lay waste to, lay waste to the America, to America, you know, things like that. Sometimes you the only get there is by is by air, and hopefully you're not gonna get shot down either by Americans or by the by Mexican Air Force. Well, I'll try and do that. Uh, you know, as soon as you, like I said, as soon as you land land your airplane or helicopter or whatever, you just gotta leave it. Go go go, run away because otherwise you're you're pretty much gonna get caught at that point if you stay and try to do things. But yeah, hot pursuit. Yeah, it's it's you know it, there's a lot of things. I mean, it, it could be you know a, a uh, an adventure in its in and of itself, uh, getting across the border just to take care of something. In fact, that could be most of the adventure right there. At least at least one session trying to figure out how to get across the border. Because if you get if you keep getting stymied every time you try to go across the border, you know you may actually end up hiring a coyote to get you across. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, hot pursuit. That's tough. I mean, that's the toughest part. Okay, so you're you're trying to go across the border uh, quickly, and you know they have mechanisms that they've been designing over the years to to thwart just that. I mean, that's like that's like the most impossible way to go, unless you like take a tank or something, and you're going to be fighting all the way. Well, you have a tank. It's called the it's called the beer RV. Yeah, but you don't. That's not the option you want to take. Like I was saying, you know, having having magical abilities is probably the best way to to do a direct. Uh, you know, a direct straight on pass through, and that would be something like you said, like with uh, maybe phasing. So you you know you would you would just go through the wall or like a dimension door type of thing, or maybe um, uh, you know like like invisibility would be a good one. Teleportation, of course, is the best. Flight. I mean, you know, if somebody could, if they had some like telekinetic flight or something like that, and then at nighttime you all just kind of fly over into there. Now, I, I would say that a a, a, a regional team that is a team that's in place, you know, and, you know, because usually they're taking care of supply dumps in an area and so forth, will probably have a, have a easier time getting across the border because, well, they've they've gotten to known the locals, so they know all the ways across. Versus a roaming team, you pull up, you know, if you're a roaming team pulling up and try to get across the border, you'll probably have a harder time doing it than a regional team, which has spent time to build friends across the border. You know, it may be easier for that regional team to do the crossing than a roaming team. I mean, I would say, I would say Team Fremont would have a fairly easy time to go to Vancouver, up to Vancouver, British Columbia, or Victoria, or any place in British Columbia. Not a problem for them. All right. So let's, let's then, let's talk about collaboration. So yeah, you know you you are you're in El Paso, and they're having a problem in Juarez, but they don't have quite the bureau agents their their version of bureau. Maybe they're not that good, or maybe that team was wiped out by whatever it is they they want you to collaborate oh, on. Oh, I li- I like that because that oh, not 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 El Paso. Uh, let's think a little bit closer to to Nevada. Okay. And the reason I'm going to say Nevada or even uh, New Mexico, oh, New Mexico is even better. Okay. So it's, New, it's, it's near New Mexico because they're dealing with the giant ant problem. Okay. You know, and if you, and of course you have to be a really a real fan of old science fiction movies. Remember where the uh, where them, them was filmed? Ah, uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and you're a team that dealt with a, a recent infestation of giant ants, and hey, you know, you 
kind of know what to do, and yeah, they need your help. Well, the thing is, if if you're going to collab on a on a problem, they're just call you in. I mean, if they want you, they'll provide transportation. They'll send tickets and everything, and you get to you know first class. You get to kick back, relax before you go and deal with this. Yeah, most likely, if they ask for you, they will summon you. Oh no, that's we're yeah, Trav, we're on we're we're beyond trying to get through the border. Now we're we're kind of talking about another reason why you're going across the border. We're assuming we're assuming they're allowed, we're assuming the border is no problem at this point. They want to collaborate with you. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. They'll just you know you, you get to and stop. What does that bring though? I mean, so they want to collect. They want to collaborate. So there's there's going to be limitations. Of course, they're not going to want you. They're not going to allow you to just do anything. Yeah, I mean, it just falls down to you know um, one you know. This is a chance for you. They want you. They want you to come over there. So, you know, this is a chance for your team to say, oh, you know, okay, yeah, we can do that for some consideration. And this is where your team, and especially if you've been playing, if you know, see, if you've been playing along the uh, Texas, New Mexico, along the southern border a lot with your team, this is where you set up some deals with the DFS. Oh, yeah. You could sit there and na- basically, quote unquote, name your price because you know that, well, first of all, I mean, if I were. As I said, I I made the team candlestick. So let let's say I'm at a, one of the Texas and New Mexico teams, and I'm going to sit there and say, first of all, we run the show. We know what's going on. We know these things better than you do. We will, you know, we we will direct you guys on what to do to do this as efficiently as possible. That would be the first thing I'd say before any deals, because if they're going to have us just sitting along, and what's the phrase from Farscape? If you're going to let me. Let me sit at the big table or send me home. Let me play with the big kid toys. Are, are you going to be a, a, a science advisor for a Hollywood movie, or are you, are you going to be making the Hollywood movie is basically what well, you're yeah, saying. If I, if I got the know-how on how to deal with this stuff, and they come to me for, okay, we have this problem, we know you took care of it, and then they're just going to sit there and let us tag along, it's like we're extra weight. All we are extra targets for this thing. Let us deal with it. You guys have the pi- firepower. We will defer to you on matters of matters of this land. But as far as these things, we're the, as, as they said in the MASH movie, we're the pros from Dover. And that sort of ties into our second point, which is what to expect from your host government. I mean, yeah, you go south of the border. Are they going for, first off, they're going to say, you know, you, you understand that our gun laws are different than your gun laws. So you're going to Canada. It's pretty much empty your pockets at that point. Of course, considering some bureau teams, is when you get done empty your pockets, it's a pile of weaponry and gear taller than the person. It's like Mad Max and Thunderdome or Aaron and Peace Wars, where things from the back of her neck and everything. Yeah, yeah, or for, or, or from the uh, what was the Mel Gibson Danny Glover movies? Um, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, Lethal. There was a Lethal Weapon. I think they started pulling stuff out of their pockets. Oh, that was that him year. and Rene Russo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, actually, what, what I was going to say, one of the things uh, I was going to say is, you know, on the heels of our Hot Pursuit one, that's where you set up that deal with them where you set up a pathway for your agents in there. It's like, all right, you want us to come in here to collaborate with you. Here's the deal. You give us, you know, a, a get-through-the-border-free card that allows us to send agents through when we need to. Okay, that's good for their – okay, that means you have to you're – gonna you're not going to be crossing that border crossing because you just have to deal with INS at that point, and they're not going to go with that deal. What are you talking – wait, 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 wait. Why, why wouldn't they go with that deal? No, no. You're dealing with the, you're dealing with the Mexicans. They can, help, they can help on their side. Trouble is, and I've crossed the border in the Juarez. You have to go through American customs first. Yeah, yeah the Bureau sets that up. 
that's gonna be interesting. But yeah, we can we can try saying. No, I'm saying is is the bureau? All right, hold on, wait a minute. I, I know we've gone back and forth on this, but the bureau is a known agency, right? Not to the government, no. Only the president, maybe a few others, only know of the bureau. I thought we talked about this before, and that the no, the F no, this is the FBI is like. That's why you often have to fake your way as an FBI agent as a bureau agent because. Well, I I know I know Bruce likes to have the bureau as an independent organization that doesn't belong to the government. I look and say, nah, it's part of the government. Otherwise, it has no authority. Are they a government agency? How about this? Hey, Rich, <laughs> is the Bureau Thirteen a government agency or not? Is what? Is is the bureau is Bureau Thirteen a government agency or is it its own independent thing? Bureau Thirteen is the Thirteenth Bureau of the Justice Department. So it's a government. Yeah, but they're a black agency that no one knows about. Yeah, okay, so they don't have a badge for the INS agents that says, "Hey, we're the secret guys you don't know about." They have a badge that lets them get through. They just those strings get pulled. I, the only badge I can think of, the only couple badges to get you through. One, you'd have to have some sort of diplomatic pass to get you through, uh, or you have something like a U.S. Marshal. There you go, U.S. Maybe a U.S. Marshal. Maybe they give you a an INS badge. INS is actually the last people to cross the border. <laughs> Their own agents can't cross the border. No, they really can't. <laughs> that actually would cause an international incident if they did. <laughs> As an INS agent. Now, they're going across Mexico for, you know, for vacation. That's not a problem. No, no. Okay. Well, I'm not talking about trying to get that INS agent through the Mexican guards because the Mexican guards, you already have a deal with them. I'm saying it would get you past the INS agents. You'd show your badge and they, okay, go ahead. Do what you got to do, boss. You know, you have a high-ranking... I don't know. You're fighting me on this. I'm saying, make it happen. You're the DM. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, I, I would say either you get a diplomatic courier pass of some sort, which would get you through. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's various ways it won't raise any eyebrows. There you go. There you go. You're, you're, you're aides to a diplomatic... Uh, to a Mexican diplomat. Or American diplomat. When you guys get to play American diplomat. Sure. There you go. We got to dye your hair gray. You got to talk with a southern accent. Just fine for working with the Mexican government. Yeah. Excuse me, son. Get out of my way. I got business to do. I'm American. <laughs> America! <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, I got time for no border guard. This is America. <laughs> and now, I'm, as soon as you said that, the, the one lady sweep around. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> border Patrol ain't got time for that. <laughs> Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Yeah. <laughs> you all need Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> now, and of course, you know, and, and, uh, but that's just Mexico. Canada would probably be. We actually, like I said, we don't have great relations with uh, with with uh, Mexico. We do have better relations with the Canadians, though. Well, yeah, we do. It's just that that the RMCP Section Five Thirteen, they tend to be letter of the law, not spirit of the law. They will be sticklers for protocol. They will be sticklers for what is in the book. So as long as you have somebody who is good with Canadian law to, you know, basically beat them at their own game, well, it says on this regulation you have to do this. Yeah, but see over here, this one says this. And they're like, Damn. okay, you go through. <laughs> as, it's, as I said, uh, Team Candlestick would have had oodles of experience dealing with having to deal with Section 513. As I said, I created the team, and so it's like, that would be the first thing that they would do is, okay, we need to deal with when we have to go over to Canada. 
because there are several cross points. Of course, there's, you know, the Ambassador Bridge and the Detroit Windsor Tunnel. There's the Blue Water Bridge up in Port Huron. Yep. Uh, through the through the locks in Sault Ste. Marie. Yes, up all the way up there. And, of course, or the other direction across Lake Superior and then across... Into Wisconsin and all that through the UP. Yeah, so there are more than a few ways that, you know, or no, the Wisconsin, duh. Yeah, Lake Superior, yeah. <laughs> no, Wisconsin's still part of us. Don't worry. No, I don't want our Wisconsin people thinking that they, you know, we think they succeeded or anything. Um, but, yeah, so there are more than a few entry points into the U.S. from Canada. So Team Candlestick would have researched all that for that eventuality. Now, the, 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 of course, we're talking collaboration with our neighbors. How about collaborate, collaboration with someone over, you know, overseas, you know? Uh, it could be that you get a request from Tehran. Okay, let's see what... <sighs> we did, no, there's nothing in the books right now, so we have to make up something for this. From what I understand, the relations aren't exactly top-notch right now with, with Iran, so, yeah, we'd be that would be a dice, a, a, a crapshoot, where we'd have to sit there and we would have to abide by their laws. We would have to... If, Let's say a female, a female agent may have to wear a veil in public, you know, because from what I hear in Saudi Arabia, the soldiers have to have veils on, you know, their little caps that they wear if they're on. Iran is interesting in that there's a secular government and then there's the, the religious oligarchy that runs everything. Uh, the question is, who's the agent report, agency report to? Does it report to the secular government, which may actually be more likely to work nicely with us, or it's going to be an Islamic or an old Islamic, you know, group that deals with supernatural in 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 Iran. You know, which which way which one would you deal with? I would rather deal with a secular group because they're probably easier to work with than the uh, the old religious group. But that may not be your choice. I mean, if you think think about think about the job they're doing, right, dealing with the supernatural. Good chance that's going to fall under the you know the, the church or the, the religious organization. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be with the under the imams. Yeah, it, it will definitely be with the oligarchical side. Yeah, with the old imams and so forth. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to think of the the the, the Islamic Cause, thank you because they're they're going to be the ones that have all the all the access to all the you know uh, holy relics and stuff like that. And and dude. I do not want to be a supernatural creature going going up against anyone who has access to holy relics from that area, huh. or or a handful of ifrits. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. Oh, oh, yeah. That's a frightening thought. Having to deal with something in the city of brass. Oh, oh, which would be the home of the ifriti. Yeah, that would just a bureau agent having to go in there. Oh. Chill just ran down my spine. Well, I'm just thinking. Look, I'm just I'm thinking about you know like all the all the things of religious significance that's that's in you know stuff that could have been found in in uh, the sites you know like ruined cities and stuff that that of course if there was a religious organization that was really fighting demons and stuff like that they would have confiscated all the really good like really old uh, religious stuff because I mean that's where everything was going at the beginning of of the whole. You know, religious uh, era of great power, all the all the miracle type stuff that was going on. So they've, you know, good chance that they have uh, access to like some of the, you know, maybe even a piece of the cross or something like that. And they, and they may also be much more open in what they're doing. They may actually not be a secret or, secret organization. They may actually operate out in the 
I don't I don't know if they would do that. I think they would still kind of keep it under wraps because you still don't want your populace freaking out. So I would think still you would want to just keep that on the down low. The fact that, oh, yeah, there are freaks flying around. And like, no, that's not something you want on in public because, yeah, your country, your culture may be good. But remember, we're a global culture now. Other cult, other countries still hear about, <clears throat> oh, yeah, yeah, there's what over in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, that's off my bucket list for traveling. So I think that any of the supernatural agencies, at the very most, if they are public, they're going to be seen as a bunch of quacks. They're going to be seen as a bunch of whack jobs that, yeah, they fight the supernatural. Yeah, okay, wink, wink. Oh, like the, the witch finders in, in, in Ethiopia. Well, yeah, I mean, most of us here in the Western culture are going to look at that and just, you know, want to pat them on the head and say, oh, isn't that adorable? We're not going to take them seriously because, you know, the Bureau hides the supernatural and the public thinks, oh, okay, it's all myth and fiction. Oh, there's a bunch of winch hunters over in Ethiopia. Oh, yeah, isn't that adorable? Yeah, go on your way. Hit the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's say we go over to the Middle East and, and not just Iran. I mean, any of that area. Saudi Arabia, Israel, Syria, whatever. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of religious artifacts and, and, and relics and whatnot of many faiths. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, which all have a common core. So you're going to have to deal with all that. And I'm sure at the very least it's probably going to shake the, the timbers of a few agents and a, a few American bureau agents by just seeing, it's like, holy crap, that was real? No. And the thing is, if they're if you're being asked to collaborate on a problem in Tehran, it's probably because it's something that the Americans brought over. Yeah, most likely it's not going to be because I I don't think that they're going to sit there and go, okay, this is going to get out. We need to call the Americans. No, no, it, it maybe something. Well, no, think, uh, I'm trying to think of something that we you know something uh, Native American, something European brought over that basically no matter what they try, they can't do anything with. You know, every, you know, every time they try to do something to capture it, it just breaks free. I mean, uh, um, uh, a Wendigo would be a great thing to have wandering around in Tehran, wouldn't it? Not for the, <laughs> not for the people involved. And that's it for this episode of the TriTac Podcast. Uh, next week, tune in for the next part of this discussion. Uh, I cut it off a little early because it was a natural breaking point. The next episode is going to be a little bit longer. Oh yeah, and one more thing. Just as a, a little bonus, being that this is a short episode and I got a little bit of time, I got your ear already, here's a commercial that I recorded about three years ago for the Fringeworthy podcast. Maybe four years ago now, I don't know. But it was a commercial that ran on a couple other podcasts, and you may never have heard it because we wouldn't have run this on our show because we didn't need to. So enjoy, and we'll see you all next week. In the near future, mankind will discover something that will change him forever. An ancient portal system to millions of worlds. Built by a civilization of advanced alien beings now lost to the ravages of an interdimensional war, he will venture forth into the fringes of space and time to find alternate Earths and alien worlds, where he will find a wondrous bounty of knowledge as to who he was and what he might become. He will also find danger at every turn as he encounters hostile societies, alien beings, and the insidious Miller. Fringeworthy, the tabletop game of interdimensional adventure is now available for a D20 system, and coming soon to Savage Worlds. 
action and adventure await you as you explore through the interdimensional fringes of space to an infinite number of new worlds. Your characters will face danger and excitement around every corner. Sail with Blackbeard on the Seven Seas. Journey to a steampunk Victorian age. Fight the Soviets in an 80s America that lost the Cold War. Travel to an alternate future and witness a supernova from the bridge of a starship, and then battle it out with blasters and plasma swords. Use any D20 setting you already own, or invent your own. Check out the French Witty Podcast at tritaxsystems.podbean.com to find out more. Whether you've never heard of Fringeworthy or have been playing it for the past 25 years, the Fringeworthy Podcast will entertain and inform you of all the cool stuff you can do with the most all-encompassing setting ever written. Every week, we'll take you on a tour of the fringes of space and give you tips on how to game in this fantastic multiverse. We discuss adventure ideas for the game masters and how to keep your team of characters alive for the players. Go to tritaxsystems.podbean.com and take a listen. You can also find us on iTunes under keyword Fringeworthy. A million million worlds await you. Music by Ernest Stern, available on iTunes. Yo, the Tri Tag Games podcast belongs to the bad mother. Shut The Tri Tag Games. Listen up, you brothers. The Tri Tag Games podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non commercial. No derivative 3.0 license. So don't go to anything bad.